tonight I want to quickly speak to you regarding something as would be start of official first evening service entitled Escaping Entanglement. Say with me, Escaping Entanglement. 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 I don't know how many of you, when you do washing and you do laundry in terms of you wash certain things with one another and certain things shouldn't be. Let me use an example. Since I got married to my wife, I learned that there's certain washing that shouldn't go in together. For me, it was the washing machine just washes clothes. It wasn't about the colors. It wasn't about the type of materials that go together. For me, it was just cleaning. And then you hang up the clothes and it smells nice and you iron it and it's done. But it's interesting when you do certain things together, one of the first things to get lost usually is like socks. How many of you, when you do the laundry, you need to pair up socks or you wait for it at a later stage? And when you wait too long and you try and gather your laundry together, something is missing. There's some people, some people believe in the tooth fairy. I believe in the sock, in the sock thief. I don't know. It's just how it happens. But one of the things that I realized that in the mix of life, they're so easy to come while that washing machine is turning. Either you've got a front loader or a top loader, it doesn't matter. But as things in your life is moving, have you found when you do pants, they get entangled, usually the jeans, and you need to pull them apart. Sometimes it's like this, you feel like is there somebody inside that's trying to make it difficult for you. But it's easy to become entangled if you do not even know that you are busily being woven together in things that shouldn't be there in your life. And uh, if you've had a wonderful December, God bless you. If you didn't have such a nice December, God bless you too. But you would see over December, the casual Christianity usually kicks in where we find that, that people usually go into this submarine state. Isn't it true? You don't really, I don't want to go to church because it's my rest time. I don't want to really read my Bible because I still love God, but it's like, I'm just taking a break. You know Christians like that because it's not you, obviously. But as you find that, that certain things in your life goes into a dis- different rhythm, that usually in those times, it's easily to become entangled in certain things. And as we start off this year, obviously Prophet spoke this morning about the spirit that is the fear of man, that we should rid ourselves of. So in that same sense, there's certain things that entangle us that we need to rid ourselves from. And if we're not careful, we'll be entangled in things and we don't even know that we are bound. You know what's the worst thing? Have you ever been in a, you drive on the highway and somebody drives, I wanted to say a a word, but I can't say it here. Somebody drives like a fool. And when you pass them, they look at you that you are the one that's the fool driving. Have you been there in your life? And that's the thing about being entangled is that you can't see yourself. Everybody around you are the foolish ones. Because 
you don't see what they are seeing. And because of that, it can easily feel that you feel like Christians are judging you. You feel like there's, I don't know, these people have changed. No, you are in an environment that you are entangled in something. People are realizing that maybe they're too scared to tell you, but because of your response, people don't, they don't want to tell you the truth of a way that we usually respond. And I want to get into something tonight. I want to start off with Hebrews 12. Can we maybe go there as the first starting place tonight? Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2. It starts off like this. It says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which easily ensnares us. Okay, it's at the back. Wonderful. That easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who is the joy, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What the writer of Hebrews is busy focusing people on to say that there's places if we look to things around us, even to looking to Christians around us, it's easily to, to fall into certain things and to be ensnared. But it's not just looking to them. It is also the place that we are so looking to ourselves that we become ensnared. And it says that the only way that you can get out of it is if you focus your eyes on Jesus. Say with me, focus your eyes. You see, it's easy for us to have our eyes on people around us that we feel that, that this, is, this is the environment that we are in and we lose sight of our eyes on Jesus. We still love Him, we still worship Him, but our living is focused on people. And it's in those places that we can become so in love with ourselves, the the the. the the gratification of the flesh, things that feels appealing to us, that it's our world, what I feel, what is important to me, that I actually can become instead in things that I shouldn't be in. And the, and, the, and the worst place, the end place of that is where God starts answering you according to the idols that's in our, in our own hearts. Things that's not permissible and God says, yes, because you already decided yes, even though God already told you no way before that. And out of that place, there's three things in my few years since I started in ministry, three main things that I realized that is one of the big contributors to having people in bondage. Can I name a few? There's three things that I just want to name. You know when people come to my office and they want to sit and they... Uh, or they, uh, they say, Pastor, Pastor Sifu, can I please have a meeting with you? And then I usually know, oh, you're help on this belief. Something is going to happen right now. These people are going to confess these weird things or it just happens. But three of the mo most prominent things that I find that people come and it keeps them in bondage. The first thing is sexual sins. Sexual sins. If you are in a place where where there's things in your life that's out of line, outside the Word of God, that keeps you, that, that actually opens up the door to bondage. Sexual sins is one of them. Sexual sins can go far past just by you just 
doing something that you shouldn't be doing inside the dark, outside the confinements of marriage. It can be the things that you watch when nobody is seeing. It can be the lusts of your heart that is so towards somebody of the opposite sex. These days, anything goes, it's to the same sex. Which is outside of that word. And what it happens is it ensnares us and it puts us into a place that is very, very dangerous. That it becomes an open door for the enemy to have access into our lives. The second thing that I realized that over these many years, the second thing that gives access to the enemy is habitual, willful sinning. Things that you feel the Lord has been speaking to you about, say, don't do this. And you just continue in them because we feel we serve a gracious God, which He is, but still understanding that from the Scriptures, that is an all-consuming fire, that He hates sin, but He loves the sinner. Certain things that we feel God is okay with it because I feel I'm okay with it. And the way sin makes me feel, habitual sin. The third thing that I find that ensnares people far above all of the rest of the things because it's not such a visible thing as the first two is bitterness. Bitterness. Bitterness actually makes most people sick physically in your body. Physically, you become sick if you are bitter. I want to quickly use an example that I actually did when I was in, in Cape Town. So I would need some, some help right now. I need somebody or a child that is about this size. If there's any children that... So I see you. Why are you tapping him? He's not that size. <laughs> Anybody about this size. Yes, you can come, Nana. Yes. Then I need somebody about this size. Let's say about eight, nine, ten, somewhere there. If you're between those ages. Eleven will also go. Yes. You're going to be famous today, Nana. Can I help you there? You're going to stand here. Yes. Won't you give them a round of applause? Okay, who's the tallest here? You're almost about the same size. Okay, but you need to turn around. And then I need somebody, a bigger Henny. I saw you at the back. Call me Henny. You need to stand in sequence. Nana, can you stand first here? She must be first, you second. Let's go this side. My brother, won't you come this side? Would you give them a God bless you? I want to quickly show you something about what entanglement does to us. Like any. <laughs> Please go stand that side. I want to show you something, what bitterness does to us. I want to introduce to you tonight, I'm not going to name them. Please don't understand that I'm calling and I'm, I'm just saying stuff over their life. I'm just using an example so that you can physically see something. You see, this is the, I don't know what you call it in English, the trappe van, van gelijken. The what? Degrees of comparison. English never loved us. Okay. So, this, for today's example, we would use her name called anger. Okay? Please don't call her angry. 
Secondly, we would call her today unforgiveness. We would, for today's example, call him resentment. And then last but not least, the big man here, we'll call him bitterness. Okay, you are not bitter. Okay. I want to show you something. How many of you know that, how many of you have ever been very angry in your life? Okay, the rest of you, we're going to do another category called lying, and then you can all go that side. I've been very angry in my life. You know, so angry that you feel, I know since being a Christian, I can't punch people, but I feel like I want to drive my car over something that belongs to them. Okay, that's just how I feel. Have you ever been like that? Okay. This is when I show you. Nana, can I, can I pick you up? Okay, I want to show you something. Quickly hold on to my neck. If you take up anger, you can pick up anger. Bible says, be angry, but do not sin. So it's true. You can become angry. But the thing about anger is, if you become angry, you can walk around, and after a while, do you know, even though she can be so small, in a few minutes from now, this will feel like she's about Henny's weight. Isn't it true? How many of the parents, when your children, when they're babies, it's easy, you hold them. When they grow up, they go to the shops, you pick them up, you're like, please, you've got two legs, walk. It's not true. The thing about anger is, anger, I can pick it up and I can put it down. It's easy. It's interesting that the scripture says, become, you can become angry, but don't let the sun go down being angry. Why? Because this thing becomes very heavy. That's why most Christians, they struggle to worship the Lord in church because you are under heaviness because you haven't dealt with anger. Then you want to karaba It's not going to move until you put down anger. The thing about anger, you are not angry. If you leave it, it becomes unforgiveness. Can I pick you up? Can I? You must hold me here because I've got a microphone. Can I pick you up? By your leg there? One, two, three. Okay. The thing about, thank you Maya, I'm not coming tomorrow. <laughs> the thing about unforgiveness, this becomes very, very heavy, very quickly. And I can also still put it down. And I can walk around with this, but not very long, until it becomes resentment. Anger, I can put down. I can just let it go. If I don't let it go, it goes to a place of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, you know when you see that person, you really just feel like, ugh. I can pray for them, but I, I don't want to. Because God loves them. I don't have to love them. But then when I leave this, it becomes resentment. Resentment. How much do you weigh? You want to climb on my back, brother? Okay, you want to climb on my back? Okay, go for it. No, 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 not my neck. <laughs> just on my back, just on my back. 
Thank you for the squats of last week. But this I can walk around with. It's not as light as anger. But the longer I leave this, resentment is when I think about Rehard. I've got a fence with Rehard. I actually hope something bad happens to him. That I can feel better about my own revenge. You see, there's two things that God hates that he said belongs to him. The first thing is the tithes. It belongs to him. The second thing is vengeance. That we want to make sure that if I look to JP, I hope something bad happens to him that God can prove a point. Resentment. When this grows up, why are you laughing? This is just an example. <laughs> it grows into bitterness. Bitterness is murder in diapers. That you wish somebody would be dead. And it's a starting place. But Jesus says, if you hate a brother, you've already committed murder. And that's why all of this leads up to a place that you don't even know that you are bound by the place that I can walk through my life and I can be so called towards people and God and I think I'm still okay. Things in my life is not coming together because something has been disappointed out of me. A relationship that I pursued didn't work out the way it shouldn't have. I trusted God in a financial area and I feel like He didn't come through for me. I sowed and nothing happened. I trusted and my heart got broken. All of this leads to a place of bitterness. And when bitterness is fully grown, you cannot carry it around. It carries you. Thank you. You're welcome to be seated. I just wanted to show you that. Why is that important what I'm saying? Because entanglement is the snare of the enemy. And he is so good. Listen here. He's so good at fabricating things. He cannot create because he's not creator. He can only imitate. The devil cannot play God. And because he can't play God, he can play you. That's very good. I must remember that. He knows that he cannot play God, but then he can play you. And you destroy yourself by your own decisions, the own things that you allow and don't allow in your life. You become bitter in places. And all of these things becomes a trap and a snare of the enemy. You see, most people name and claim 2024, the year of Rabakaba. This year, new year, new me. The gyms are full. All of the things are wonderful. But why do you trust God for a new thing if you haven't been obedient to the previous thing? It's as if I'm trusting God. This year is going to be a new thing. God, speak to me something. And He has. But because I haven't completed the thing of last year, bitterness makes me be stuck. Maybe in 1998 and I'm still living in 2024. Because of hurt. I'm walking in the future, but I'm stuck in the past. So your past is really not your past if it's affecting your present. 
I must remember that. Yes, sir. Rabakam. Yes. Why am I saying what I'm saying? Because all of these snares are so focused to destroy the believer, to get you in a place of bondage and you don't even know that you are bound. Here's what the enemy loves to do. Can I use another example? I want to quickly go there. Nowhere does the Bible say that it speaks about the strength of the devil. Nowhere. If you find me a scripture, um, Dylan will pay you 10,000 rand. Please save up. <laughs> Nowhere is there a scripture that proves that the enemy is strong. It only speaks about his mouth. Why? Because he's the father of lies and the only thing he can do is to lie. You know what's the thing about a lie? You can only tell a lie if you know the truth. <laughs> if this is the truth and this is a lie, I cannot lie if I only have this. But if I know this, then I can only tell a lie. That's why he's called the father of lies. He knows the truth. The scripture says 1 John 2, it says there's no truth in him. Jesus was to such an extent that he rebuked the Pharisees. There was such a scary scripture. I didn't even put it in there because I feel it's so, it feels so offensive when you hear that, the words of Jesus. He says in John 8 verses 44, he says, and he's speaking to the Pharisees and he says, you are the same kind as your father who is the devil. Speaking to modern day people of the faith in our context. He says, you are of the devil. There's no truth in you. You only know how to do one thing and that's to lie, like your father does, the devil. That is not a nice rabakaba word for, for somebody comes and saying, uh, Richard, I wanna give you a prophecy and you stand here, you're off the devil. There's no encouragement in that. And that's what the enemy feeds on because he feeds on lies. That's why Jesus says, I am the truth. You see, if I abide in the truth, it's very difficult for me never to live ignorant again of the lies of the devil because I'm in the truth. My life is in the truth. And all of that the enemy uses to trick us because that starting place of all that anger going into unforgiveness, going into resentment, growing up to bitterness starts with one place and it's a thought. A thought. You know, one of the, the things that you've heard from, from this pulpit being spoken so many a, a times about how the enemy comes in with his lies and it's deceitful things that, that, he, that he just, it puts a, th a thought in your mind. And the more we go on the thought, the more that place, the foothold becomes a stronghold. And that stronghold comes in our mind. And if that stronghold is so nested in our minds, we think everything through that filter of the lies. You read the Bible through a certain filter. You think, uh, let me use an example. Uh, I saw this week, somebody was posting about some churches. They said, like, what is the best church uh, in this area? And somebody, they post churches. Then the people who don't go to church say, no, that church is just about money. That church is just about healing. That I'm thinking about, so what church do you want to go to? One that they say, be sick, 
and be poor. Go. I don't want to be in your church. Why? Because it's not about the money. It's not about the healing. It's about Jesus. But when I meet Jesus, there's something that He introduces me of myself that I didn't know, that His thoughts towards me is good. Plans not to harm me. Thoughts to prosper you. There's the prosperity gospel. Oh my word. The scripture says that God thinks about you more than the grains of sand on the earth. December we were on the beach and um, as we were in, in Cape Town, it's a very windy place. So there's times that you sit on the sand and it feels like you get a beating from the, the sand and the wind that just goes, wow, and it just hits you. So my wife thought, no, this is the amazing place. We're gonna look where the wind blows and she's gonna sit with people with beach shelters. She's gonna sit in that slipstream so that when the wind comes, it doesn't hit us. But now the awkward thing is, if this is people's campsite, she sits literally right there. And I feel like this is so awkward because it feels like we're sitting with these people. We don't know them. So now I sit, I see she's standing. She's got her glasses on. She's got her airpods. She's, she's having the time of her life. And now I sit there and I'm like, mora, mora, hello. And you see the people, they just like, do you want to take my wallet? Do you want to take my, because that's what people do in South Africa. And as we're laying in that place, I feel that awkwardness of the people. And my wife is having the time of her life because the sand is not hitting her. I don't even know why I was telling that story. But the point was, God's thoughts are more than the grains of sand. They say in about a cubit feet of sand, that's about this size. There's 1.8 billion grains of sand. Just a shoebox size worth of sand. 1.8 billion grains of sand. That's one shoebox. The scripture says, his thoughts towards you are more than all the sand in the whole world. That he's thinking of Dion. He's thinking about Francesca. He's thinking about Tandiwe. He's thinking about every single person, one of us at a time, and all of his thoughts, continuously, thoughts to prosper you, not to harm you, things to lift you, to raise you up, to break certain things in your family that you would not get stuck at where your family was in past days, but to lead you out so that you can build the kingdom of God. That's his thoughts towards us. And then we've got the enemy that he can't lie to us, he twists the truth. And as soon as we start believing it, it becomes that place in my mind. So here's what I want you to quickly see. He's still with me. See, the enemy comes in, in these, see, I've just listed a few ways, that he blinds us. Have you ever seen blind people walking with sticks? They just, do this. And then have you ever seen people who fake blindness? Like at the robots. Because if you take money, then all of a sudden they can, they know exactly. I'm like, you liar. So next time I'm just going to give them like a, a chips paper or something. I don't know. Let's see if they respond the same way. I'm joking. I won't never do that. But, but also please don't do that. But blind people need to be led by something. 
And here's what I want you to see. Snares. The first one is the snare of the thoughts. Negative thoughts, suspicious, distrust, or very spiritual thoughts. Have you ever met people that they are so spiritual? I'm, I'm really spiritual. It's actually spooky. I'm saying that um, the, the walls are gray. They're like, no, gray is the color of the graveyard according to the Word of God. You cannot have a normal conversation. Uh, are you enjoying the chair? Yes, Ephesians 2, 6. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You can never do that. Why is your work not done? No, I was praying. Hey, do your work. <laughs> but you understand that spiritual minds is a blind trap from the enemy. Because sometimes you can't answer a spiritual question because it's spiritual. Somebody says, why did you do that? Because God said. Okay? How do we test it? As soon as you test it, you feel very defensive because somebody is testing the word. But thoughts, first place. Second one is a hard heart. You know, that's, a, that's the thing about a hard heart. It makes you ungrateful. <clears throat> Jesus said when he was with his disciples and he did and he multiplied the bread, he said, he used these words. He says, their hearts were hard even when I did the multiplication of the bread. If your heart becomes hard, even the blessings of God, you become ungrateful for that. You wake up healthy. Oh, yeah. I expected this big thing to happen. And whatever. Hey, be grateful. They say when you, over the age of 30, your, your body becomes activated in... Um, what do you call it? And, and sound effects. Do you know that? How many of you are over 30 years old? You know when you just stand up right now, usually men, over the age of 30, when you stand up, you don't just stand up. You go, Ugh. When you go and sit down at home, you're going to go, Ugh. Ugh. Over the age of 30. Umniku? Tani, luister. Luister mooi. Why am I saying what I'm saying? Because when our hearts become hard, we become ungrateful for even the small things that God is busy doing. God is moving in His service. Our hearts can be so hard that because we had a different expectation, we miss the thing that God is busy doing right now. Hard hearts. Third thing that I want you to see is a love for worldliness. Jesus said we must love the world. Isn't it true? But you know there's a love for the world that ensnares many believers. Things for more. It's like a fat worm with a small mouth. It will never be satisfied. And we're always trusting God for bigger things, but there's a time where we just can be content and say, God, I am grateful. You know why, why I'm saying what I'm saying? Because if you use According to Scripture, a man named Job. Job was, while his life was busy falling apart, man, he lost his children, he lost his house, he lost his animals, everything was lost. I, I don't know why God spared his wife at that stage. Okay, I'm just joking, guys, just listen. Yeah, tough crowd. And as, there's a time Job's wife said to him, 
why didn't you just curse God and die? Here's what I want you to see. Because there comes a time where the enemy, if he can't come to the surrounding things that your hand is on, he'll try to influence you through the people within. That Job could have ended that whole chapter if he just said, God, you know what? I had enough of this now. And he curses God and he dies because of the suggestions of the enemy. Spiritual blindness is such a, such a prominent thing in Scripture. I, wanna, I want you to quickly see something. The only way I can, I can do this is maybe use another example. You remember the man of God called Abram. Pastor Wade, you're going to be Abram. You've got a nice beard. <clears throat> so Father Abram is with his wife. They're at the back. She's now in the tent. Okay, let's say she's at the tent. And Abram, he's busy doing his own thing. And all of a sudden... He sees three people. Pastor Shemaine. JP, Narinai. Is it still like a Kijk for the people. Ons will be Okay. Quickly stand here. Now all of a sudden God comes. I'm not saying God is a woman. No, please just listen. This is an example. Okay. So Abram is doing his own thing. Dylan, I want you to quickly come. I want you to quickly see something. This is Abram. And this is a lot. This is a lot. Okay. And while Abram is doing his own thing, these family members, they live in different places. I want you to go and stand that side of the stage. There by Tzacho. You're going to stand there. And while he's doing this, God comes with two angels. And they approach Abram. And while Abram finds himself just doing ordinary daily things, he realizes that he's being visited by God. Can I say to you, the scripture says in the book of Hebrews that some of you have, you have entertained angels because you've hosted strangers. Can I say to you, that's why the Christian life should be a generous one. Open your hearts, open your hands, open yourself up. Why? Because God can be in your midst and you cannot even perceive it. So listen to this. So God is there with two of, two of His angels. They come and they, they say to Him, listen here, we're going to go and we're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So God is such a friend with Abram that He thinks, let me just bounce this off of my friend Abram. What does he think? So Abram comes. He's like, okay, God, that's a good idea. That's wicked people. Um, I think you should, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, I've got a relative lot that lives in Sodom and Gomorrah. Please don't do it. But he knows that God already said to him, I'm going to do it. So now he starts bargaining with God. He's like, okay, God, what if there's 50 righteous people living in Sodom and Gomorrah? Surely you won't destroy that city. And God's like, yeah, that's an amazing point. I think that's a good point. Uh, let me look Sodom Gomorrah. No, there's not 50 people that's righteous. Oh, okay, God. Okay. What about 45? And he starts bargaining with God until they reach a place of 10. And when he comes to 10, God says, okay, 
That's a good point, 10 people. I look to Sodom and Gomorrah. There's only one righteous man living in Sodom and Gomorrah. Not even Lot's family. Listen to me. The amazing thing about the story is not God coming to Abram and telling him he's going to do something. Here's what I want you to see. Spiritual blindness in the modern day can be a believer in another city on his way to be destroyed and not even perceive what God is doing. God can do something miraculous in your life, but can we perceive it? Are we aware that God is doing something in your life right here, right now? Because at the stage when they leave and He goes there, He is so unaware of what's busy happening because here in Sodom and Gomorrah, everything is good because the Bible says in those times, they were marrying, they were, they were planting and harvesting. In modern day terms, the economy was booming. Life was good. And while life was so good, God was on His way to go and destroy a wicked city. But somebody that was righteous couldn't even perceive what God was doing because he was entangled with worldliness. I'm saying to you right now, we as a church, we as a body of believers, we need to come out of that place that we are ensnared with the things of this world, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. Jesus says, Friendship with the world is enmity to God. Drive what you want to drive. Live where you want to live, but don't let those things live in you. Aim for higher, aim for bigger. Then bless people, change people's lives. But most people just accumulate because I'm building my own kingdom. Friends, I'm telling you right now, the, the snare of the enemy comes in subtle things where it actually challenges our motives. You know, what I think, my personal opinion, one of the biggest snares of the enemy in our modern day society is comfort. Comfort. Most people want to pump so much money into the retirement fund because they want to retire comfortably. Jesus says, if you follow me, you'll have trouble in this world. <laughs> Behold, I have overcome this world. Our mindset shouldn't be driven by the time I'm 65 and I groot amal and the, and, the, and the workplace gives me a nice watch and I can just say, ah, oh, my life is good. I'm gonna enjoy my life right now. No, we should be driven by eternity. To say, God, what's on your heart? What do you want to do with my family right now? Because there's people on the other side that need my obedience to say, God, I'm praying for people in another city. Change them, God. I see this South Africa, it feels like things are going down the drain. Lord, is there 50 righteous people? Lord, we call on your name. Save South Africa, God. Nobody's praying. Always just like, oh, this government, you see elections is coming out this political party. It's not about that. There's a spirit that is ruling here. But we as Christians, we are silent and we're just criticizing from the sideline and we are busy being ensnared in a spirit of bitterness. That's why whenever there's progress, people say, remember what happened then. It's bitterness. People say, remember the good old days. 
No. The latter rain will be greater than the former. I'm telling you right now that your best life is ahead of you. It's not behind you. That's why we cannot be a victim of my past or my present. Because the Lord is ahead of me. And when He's ahead of me, I don't have to fear anything. But He ensnares us with simple things, with ourselves, racism, disagreements. I feel this. You feel nothing. After I eat hot wings, I also feel something. Your feelings come, your feelings go. It cannot be trusted. We trust in the Lord our God, the maker of the heavens and the earth. I'm saying to you right now that the snare of the enemy comes in subtly. And if we're not careful, we can be that person. God is about to do something, good or bad, in another city. But can we perceive it? Some of us made these 2024 things. God, I declare this to be the best year in the name of Jesus. And it should be, we agree with you. But what if we had another year like 2023? Will we give up hope? Will we lose faith? The Bible says, do not draw back. Friends, I'm telling you right now, let's not be entangled by the things that we so love in this world that carries no eternal value. No eternal value. Will those family members be in heaven if they know the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, they will. God's not going to ask him, did you attend this church? No, he will not. Do you know me? Do you know me? Friends, religion is not going to cut it. Sorry for my spitting, I'm so passionate. Thank you. <laughs> this is what I want you to see in closing. The scripture says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. But you know what the fear of God is? The fear of God is not so much that I'm scared of God. The fear of God should be I'm scared to live without God. Friends, can we honestly say that we are not so contaminated and entangled that we've got a deep desire to say, God, if you move something away from me, Lord, that will make the world's difference to me. I don't want to move away from you, God. I want to be close. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your whispers. I want to feel your touch. If I come into a service, will I just stand like this and give God this type of, this type of worship while He's doing like this? I can be on my phone. I can be, uh, oh, I don't like this song. It's not written about you. It's about Jesus. And that's why the enemy comes in and snares us so much that he makes everything about us. There's nothing called church hurt. People hurt you. Let's just settle that. If you got hurt in another church building, I'm so sorry. 
But you can be angry, put it down. Forgive. Don't let it become resentful because you will end up in bitterness. In that place of bitterness, you are blinded to what God is busy doing. And that's what I sense what the Lord wants us to pray for in this night. I, I want to do this collectively. I don't want to, I'm not going to be the person lays a hand upon you. I feel there's such a commitment from every single person to say, Lord, I don't want to be ensnared by things. Certain people might see something in my life and I give them opportunity to say, I want you to speak into my life. If there's certain areas, challenge me on that. I open myself for, for that correction. I will not try to make it personal because somebody tries to do it out of love. You know what the Bible says? I'm on very last scripture. I'm so sorry. Yes, and when a preacher says last one, it's not the last. I want you to quickly show something. In James 4 verses 5. James 4 verses 5. It says, Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? You know what the word yearn is? I've been married to my wife. This is 14 years. This year is 15 years. It's lacquer. They've been, they've been great times and they've been very difficult times. Even though I love my wife with everything, if she wakes me up tomorrow morning, three o'clock, and she's like, my bookie, I was thinking, Maybe we should just paint the outside wall this color. Do you know, even though I love her so much, I don't yearn for that conversation at 3 a.m. in the morning. Here's the thought. Do we yearn so much for the Lord that suddenly when you wake up in the morning hours that you can say, God, is this you speaking to me right now? Lord, I want to hear your voice. Lord, is there something that you want to say to me right now? My heart is open. Speak to me. Because here, here's the thing I want you to see. Won't you please go to verse 7 of James 4. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee away from you. And everybody said, Amen. Here's what I want you to quickly see. Verse 8. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Here's my question. Who draws first? <laughs> then why do we always pray? God, come and fill me. And right now, Lord, I, I ask you just to come. Am I coming to Him? Am I the one that is so desperate to say, Lord, I need one touch. I need one touch from you, God. I feel like my life has got no meaning if you're not touching me right now. Speak to me right now. I need a word for right now. Lord, speak to me and I'll wait for you. Psalms 20, 25, I think Psalm 25, it says this. It, it might not be Psalm 25, but somewhere, Paul also said it was written. He said in the book of Psalms, it says, I will wait upon the Lord even if it takes me the whole day. Are we so committed to wait upon the Lord for His voice to say, Lord, I'll draw close to you and then you'll draw close to me? Because that is the place that we can surely say, I'm not tangled because as soon as I draw close to God, He unravels me. 
everything that ensnares me, every lie that is there over my mind, He exposes me. Because most of you, when you ask God, Lord, what are you saying to me right now? He says usually this one phrase, I love you. Isn't it true? Most of us, no, no, no. I need the rabba word. Oh Lord, I need the fire. But He says to you, I love you first. You know why? Because that's the most important thing that you need to know. Before you know anything else, you must know that He loves you and there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it. I want us to pray out of that place of drawing close to God, out of shaking off every form of entanglement. We want to pray if you've in any way started off even this year just by being so casual, even in worship, just being so casual. I just go through the motion. I just do the, even the Madiba shovel, just little, little. We've got a, such an ignorance to the presence of God. The Word of God has got no importance to me right now. Even though I know it is important, it doesn't have a, a prominent place in my life. It's a sure sign that you have been entangled. And Jesus says, we can cast all our things upon Him because He cares for us. But when we give it to God, we're not allowed to go back there because that's called stealing. And if there's any way that you feel that you want to start off this year on the place you say, Lord, unravel me in ways because I want to be known as a lover of God. Not by people, by you. People can call you whatever. I want to be known by you. I want you to stand. God, unravel us in this night. Unravel us, God. Unravel us, God. Lord, there's absolutely nothing right now that I can give any person to make anything go away. But I know that you can. Oh God, we call upon you in this night. And even though you are our God, you are also our Father. And we pray that in this night, Lord, unravel us. Lord, tear things off of us in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that in this night, Lord, may everything that is not fit to your plan for my life, for every person in this place, for every person watching us online, Lord, rip it away, Lord. I wanna pray that in this night, Lord, let us loose like Lazarus. Take off the, the grave clothes. Unravel us, untangle us, God. We wanna pray that as Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. We call forth ourselves. The best thing that you can do in that place, the same way Jesus rose Lazarus from the, from the dead, He said, Lazarus, come forth. You can call your own name and say, Danny, come forth. Masejo, come forth. Dievan, come forth. Say your own name. 
Lord, we pray that in this night, Lord, loosen us from everything that ensnares us, every sin, every lie, every suggestion of the evil one. In this night, we loosen God's people in the name of Jesus. Thank You, God, that in this night we pray that every stronghold in minds shall be broken. Every form of complacency in the mind be loosened in Jesus' Name. Every lying spirit, we silence Your voice in the Name of Jesus. Lord, and we pray that in this moment, set us free. In Jesus' Name. And I want us to do one thing as we stand there. You know that there's nothing that I can gift you. It's Jesus who sets us free. Lift your hands to Jesus. Our Jesus, worship team. Our Jesus. And in this moment, I want us to start to just pray. Just pray in the Spirit. Oh Lord, set us free. Oh Santa Every generational curse, every generational pattern be broken in this night in the name of Jesus. Every negative thought out of the pit of hell that festers, that tries to give birth from anger to unforgiveness, to resentment, to bitterness. The spirit of bitterness, the spirit of resentment, the spirit of unforgiveness, the spirit of anger. We bind you in the name of Jesus. And in this night, be loosened off of every person in the name of Jesus. We say be loosened, be free, be whole, be healed, be delivered, be set free in the name of Jesus. We say you shall leave and never return. Through the spirit of, of bitterness, every form of sickness that came, that grew up into the body. Be loosened off of God's people. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Every form of inflammation, chronic pain, be healed, be healed. Every person who constantly feels tired and weary and burdened, put down anger. Every spirit of false burden in the name of Jesus, I bind you off of every person here that is not of God. I say to you, you shall leave and never return in the name of Jesus. Pray this prayer, say, Father God, I receive your peace. This is your desire. 
I receive your joy. In this night, I ask you, God, to take my life and use it for your glory. Untangle me, God, and make me aware of the snare of the enemy. Holy Spirit, break me open. In Jesus' name.